how can we create that environment to see everybody's the owner? You belong here, and you are the owner. And when they are the owner, they want to be involved. I remember I read a quote that said, "If you、uh, invest your money, you you get your return. But if you have emotional involvement, and then you get participation." Welcome to Primary Sources, a podcast produced by East Tennessee State University that highlights the important research happening at ETSU. Joining us today on Primary Sources is Dr. Holly Way, professor and associate dean for research and scholarship in the ETSU College of Nursing. Dr. Way, along with her co-author Dr. Sarah Horton Dosh, recently won the Book of the Year award from the American Journal of Nursing. Which is considered the nursing profession's premier journal. The book, which we will learn about more in this episode, earned first place in the nursing management and leadership category. It challenges nurse leaders to look to the future to create an environment reflective of excellence, and also provides strategies for addressing the challenge. She has served as a nurse researcher since 2001. She joined the ETSU faculty in 2022. Dr. Wei, thank you for joining me on Primary Sources. It's definitely my honor, Melissa. Thank you so much for your invitation. Your award-winning book is titled "Visionary Leadership in Healthcare: Excellence in Practice, Policy, and Ethics." So, starting with a general view of leadership, how do you define a visionary leader? A visionary leader is someone who focuses on creating a vision for the future. And inspiring others to make it a reality, it involves setting clear goals, creating a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging, and motivating those around them to act and achieve the desired outcome. And also, visionary leaders have strong communication skills, as act as mentors, and can look at the big picture, and why I mean why inspiring others to work together. And these leaders also look at Uncertainties or challenging situations as opportunities to learn and to move forward. One thing I noticed about your book is that although it's written from a nursing perspective, it has applications for healthcare professions across the board. So, what are some of the traits of visionary leadership in healthcare that you really、uh, drill down on and discuss in the book? So mainly for this, as you mentioned, that while the authors' majority are nurses, we initially wanted to develop an, a leadership for for nursing. I think while we're doing that, as you all know, I mean right now, interprofessional collaboration is a, a, the key for success. So nursing, we cannot survive as to I mean isolated profession. We have to work with others, develop this interprofessional mindset. And collaboration. So while we're doing that, I said, well, there's no way we can isolate nursing leadership from other healthcare professionals. So then we just opened it up to healthcare pro,、um, in general. So I wrote some leadership principles, but I think down to I would say three for now. So visionary leaders see the world differently. Basically, we want to they embrace and know as opportunities for innovation. Experimentation and pioneering for new opportunities, 
and also uh, visionary leaders in healthcare, we can see help others see the vision. It's not like I go, go, go. I mean, they are communicators to see where there's where we want to go. Let's work on together and go there together. And I always give an example. I also heard this one to see if we go hiking, I just go, go, go. You know, there's the place I want to go and people dragging behind me. And that would not be a leader, that's a hiker. You know, we have to see, well, that's what we want to do. That's what, this is how we are going to do. And that's the end result. We want to go there together to see the beautiful place together. The third one, I want to see the vision leaders want to turn vision into reality. If we always see we have a big vision, have a big dream, but if we don't act on it, that's just a fantasy. There's not really a reality. How we can turn everything, what we vision into reality. So there's comes with some strategies the book give to see how we can go there. You know, we have a vision. Now I want to go maybe to do Paris and the, I, you know, the beautiful place, but I have to have a plan how to go there. One other thing I wanted to ask you about the book is it, it highlights the value of leadership in times of disaster. And recently we've come through, um, an unprecedented time, the COVID-19 crisis. So what leadership lessons have we learned from the COVID-19 pandemic that can be applied across healthcare professions and specifically nursing when it comes to leadership? Yeah, this book is kind of a timely, is this book was developed during the pandemic. And then we saw the whole, the needs, what we need to do as leaders. We planned it during the pandemic and then developed during the pandemic, written during the pandemic. So a lot of uh, content actually is very pertinent. And this book has five parts. The first parts we talk about the leadership theories in general. So the, the first chapter, the whole chapter talk about from Greek main theory to up to now the visionary. In between, we have transactional, transformational, and so, so many other leadership styles. Right now in the hospital, because of the magnet program journey, we uh, like to have transformational leadership. So nurses are very familiar with the transformational leadership style. So I want to see there's not one leadership style will cover everything. So as we can see, it's really a transition, uh, like from the beginning to we talk about the the leaders were born, you know, you were born as a leader. I mean, I don't deny that. So some leaders really do have that trees and that characters and behaviors to be a leader. However, gradually, gradually, now we know leaders can be developed. And leaders are learners, learners and leaders. So I cannot just give you a five, five hour talk, or you can just be in a a day of a seminar or workshop and you will be a good leader. No, we have to learn constantly. And I listen to podcasts, listen to videos, listen to talks just every day. In the morning, I just, as soon as I get up, I turn on the podcast or whatever the leadership talk and I start my day. And that really bring a energy to me. So that's, when if I feel something down, I was like, I just turn on the leadership talk. And that give me, feed me my energy. So I really think for, for that piece, what I want to see is that the pandemic really brought some, some insights for us. 
what can we do to really lead others during challenging times? So I just give a talk actually about lead during challenging times. One of them is to really be inclusive and cultivate a sense of belonging. So what I did, I wrote, just published another article called To Revisit the Ethical Belonging and Look at the Face of the Other, just to see instead of just look at the, up to start by your face or by your appearance, how can we go beyond as a human being and I care about you as a human being. So that's what really, that's number one, we have to be really caring for each other and build a trusting relationship to move forward. And of course, other things are included, the five parts of one, the first part is about leadership and organizations. The second part about building nurse work environment. How can we build a healthy work environment, mitigate organizational trauma, foster resilience, and improve interprofessional collaboration? So that's the second part. And then the third part we talk about introduces the explains ways to apply novice leadership theories to practice. In, during this part, Dr. Jane Watson wrote about care and leadership. In healthcare, it's not just a linear relationship. There are so many stakeholders, so many relationships, and changing all the time, Not let alone pandemic, just even at a daily basis, it's just the change. It's a very complex situation. How can we lead in that situation instead of linear? And then the fourth part is talk about leading change and innovation and about collaboration. And the last part is that we envision the future of healthcare and talk about the wisdom. That's where you can see leaders have developed. We build the experience as we, of course, I mean, I'm sure where we are today was not where we were thinking 20 years ago. So we change, we evolve. And then the last chapter, we call for leaders to create a more connected world through ethics of faith and belonging. So that's where this book is really give us step-by-step through these five parts to talk about leadership during the challenging times. For myself, and also I feel like they're mainly, I would see about six principles. One is building trust. And this trust, especially I heard about the Appalachia region, the history and the trust and mistrust, even the COVID-19, the vaccination, we can see a lot of mistrust in there. They don't want to get, or some people have reservation about that. So how can we build trust? And that's a leadership, really, the skill we have to, to learn. And I remember I read a book about trust is about piggyback. You put it in, and you withdraw. The trust actions, we withdraw more than we put it in, then we lose our trust. So we really have to keep our promises and do what we said we to do and to thus build trust. And otherwise, to develop a growth mindset, mindset, the leaders that we have to learn. We have to read and learn every single day. And at the night, afterwards, you can just debriefing yourselves to see what did I learn today? What's the one thing I learned today? What is one good things I did today? At least we can try that way. And then to be, that will also create our responsibility and accountability. Another thing is about ownership, ownership mentality. Instead of have blaming, just like, you didn't do this right, you didn't do this right, to see what I can do to get this process better, 
to help this situation, to really own our problem and own our accountability. I was give example to see, okay, if you are a renter of a house or owner of the house, we have totally different mentalities. As an owner of the house, what do we do if the AC needs to be changed or something dropped on the floor, I better pick it up, otherwise nobody can do it. And then if something, we do improvement, so I need to add a window, I need to do this, and then we have the power and responsibility to do it. But as a renter, if something's not right, even the light bulb or the face, what I do, I don't fix it. I just pick up the phone, call management, hey, this is not working. So that's what the leadership does, is what can we do to build ownership mentality among our team members? Instead of the everything, something happened, they blame one another or they complain to me or they just let the manager do the job. Like, this is not my job. This is a manager's job. So how can we create that environment to see everybody's the owner? You belong here and you are the owner. And when they are the owner, they want to be involved. I remember I read a quote that said, if you uh, invest your money, you, you get your return. But if you have emotional involvement, and then you get participation. During good times, everybody's good. You know, everybody's happy. I mean, I come to work, and we're good. Usually during the difficult time, that's where it shows the leadership. That's where we need leaders. So that's the time to see how can we prepare our team to have the ownership mentality, and then they can just take on. They all want to make this place better instead of leave to another place. That's also the turnover and other issues. The fourth one is to really convene altruism, promoting positivity. And we have to show I care about you so for others to feel. I really act on what I really care about you. It's not just like, hey, this is our work today, to really get to know you as a person, as an individual, and encouraging self-care. So this one is, I mean, I know self-care, resilience, is those terms are really overused, and people already don't want to hear it about, but that's the things real keep us be fueled so that we can move on. Students, nurses, and physicians, we all need that gas station. I, even, I told, always told my PhD students, the journey is long, but make sure if you do somewhere, what do we do? We go long journey. We have we set the vision, and then we look at the map where we go. And then we also set up where we can take gas stops and rest stops. And so the leaders, maybe we need to pocket it in those times so that they will feel re-energized. And sometimes our mind is not like it's growing and it's need the nutrition. The nutrition can be by seeing by example seeing good things and listening to some positive talks and motivational talks. So that's what the promoting the self-care is very important. And then maybe the system-wide, we can develop some break times. You know, one facility I should have worked with use my energy model. They build a tranquility room and to really help them build that environment to show we care about you. you we encourage you to take breaks during the work time as needed. And the last one is magnetism. What that means is that as we all see if you want to attract people, we all see what people are kind of, you know, there's words like a mechanism. You attract the similar people as you are. 
So if we want to, who do we want? If we want positive people, we want people to take this place as home, as where they belong, then we need to be that kind of person. We need to be a positive leader. We need to be an influential leader. We need to be a caring leader. Then we, who we attract, we attract those people. Even the people who are here may be different. By looking at you, you create that environment. You change that environment. You take the leader, take one person to change the environment. So much of what you're saying is so inspirational. I love the examples and the analogies you use with ownership and refueling. And I want to go back to one thing you said because it really makes me think about what we're doing here at ETSU. You mentioned that leaders can be developed. And so what do you see that we're doing here at ETSU to develop leaders in nursing, healthcare, or any profession that they choose to go? What are some of the things that we're doing to cultivate leaders? I noticed that the university and the colleges are very supportive and encouraging of faculty development. For example, the university provides tenure track and tenured faculties with uh, protected time for research and scholarship. They receive reduced workloads so that they can focus on their research and scholarship. From a research perspective, the university provides faculties with uh, scholarship and mentorship opportunities and also has a series of workshops to support faculty in conducting research. At our college, we also have various programs and initiatives to support faculties, such as research grant rounds, distinguished leadership series, writing workshops, and faculty support circles. During the research grant rounds and the distinguished leadership series, we invite nationally and internationally known researchers, scholars, and leaders to present each month, aiming to help faculties start or strengthen their programs of research and promote faculty development and leadership skills. Through the writing workshops, we invite nationally recognized scholars to help faculty write and publish. These are some of the activities I have noticed. And I believe the university and the colleges will continue to support faculty's needs for success. Great, thank you. So what role do, specifically does nursing research and scholarship play in helping to address the challenges that we face with the nursing shortage? Yeah, so right now no talks can be talks without talking about nursing shortage. I think a nursing shortage is one aspect of what right now the pandemic left. You know, after we all see the hurricane left and we see the the massive situation we have to fix. Being honest, I think nursing shortage is not new. It's, pandemic is only made worse. Even the, before the pandemic, 
we already saw that. We talk about nursing shortage. We talk about turnover rate and burnout and this suddenly before we even fixed those issue and then the pandemic came and it made it really worse so yes nursing research what we do is research if without application it just no use basically we have to really do research to see what we learn from it what we can do what, how can we apply research to practice to our daily life before the pandemic, my research, I studied healthcare providers. Before that, I was, you know, studying patients' population, parents. My population at that time was parents of children with a critical illness in the hospital, NICU, PICU. And then every time they talked about is their experience, how they experienced it in the hospital was really depending on the healthcare providers how they were treated, how their actions affected their experience. And then after that, I did the postdoc study. Then I studied the healthcare providers. I said, okay, what is that you do actually affect patients? So while we were doing that, I, taught, I saw the interprofessional collaboration and the essence that's published right now is actually among the most downloaded article is that the essence of interprofessional collaboration is a caring culture. I have to care about what I do. I have to care about my coworkers. I have to care about others. I care, that's why I want to collaborate. And I care about you, I want to help. That's what brought so many healthcare professionals actually come to work. They said, I really care about my patients. I care about my coworkers. If I call out, my coworkers will take over what I'm supposed to do. So that's how we started that. And then also another model I mentioned about is care. Care is about competence. We have to be competent in knowledge. And then we have to have altruism. We have to be ready to see, I want to do this for, you, for your benefit. And be responsible and also being empathetic. So that's that. But during that time, I, I saw this stress. And then I saw how, and then I asked, well, you feel stressed. What you do to really reduce your stress? So then I have that, uh, I build a self-care energy model, develop some self-care strategies. So that's what the research do. We found the problem, and we tried to do another study to see how we can, we can help mitigate that problem. So I found this one, then I started, I developed some strategies to, for self-care. And based on those, and also neuroscience, uh, I developed what I call a self-care energy model. So that's an example to see how we can use research to really help nurses at the daily basis. And then I work with Dr. Jin Watson and also my previous dean, who is also the, uh, the mentioned, a third mentor is Dr. Sonia Harden. So she was just so good, and the three of us, we developed called Resilience Building Model based on the Dr. Jean Watson's human caring theory. So how can we, through caring, to care for ourselves, to build our resilience? And then now we looted this, all this research, and then we come back to serve the nursing profession, to serve ultimately the patient. Because the patient feel what do we do. 
I have example, you know, one time this just very stuck with me for the, all this time. So I was always bubbly, you know, like, you know, smiling and being nice. And just one night into the third night, it just really tired and, and I just went to work and, and then we finished the best I report. And I left, I went back to the room, start my night. And then the, the mom said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. I said, you didn't smile during the reporting time. So just that expression, and they notice. They notice, yeah. It's just amazing. So that means nurses, physicians, healthcare providers, the self-care is very important. If we don't take care of ourselves, we come in tired, we come in not in a good mood, affect patients' mm -hmm. experience. So that's very important. And affect our tone, affect our communication, affect so many, I think there's a ripple effect. It starts going, um, it goes on. Another patient that told me about 20 years ago, and he said that the cheapest and the best and most efficient way for nurses towards patient is smiling. So I remember that every time I talk to a patient, talk to anyone, I put a smiling face on because that can change the dynamic, change the interaction, change the environment. So self-care, resilience, I know those two terms already were used over and over again, but it's not without a reason. So we have to help nurses, physicians, healthcare professionals really see the importance to do self-care and to be resilient and to really live a healthy life. I love conversations like this and the examples you give that show the applications of research and how you just describe in such a good way about how it's really changing outcomes and changing patients' lives. I want to shift gears a little bit to the type of research that's currently taking place at ETSU specifically in your college, the College of Nursing. So what are some interesting research articles and grants that are coming out of the College of Nursing right now? Well, College of Nursing, we have seven nurse-led clinics. The seven nurse-led clinics are really serve the population in needs. 44% of our population in those clinics are really uninsured, or others is insured but is not really through maybe private insurance. So we have this prime opportunity to serve the community. And through the seven nurse-led clinics, we have at least about 10 program support, like HRSA, which really helps the, build the program to serve those population. For the, pro, for the nursing, and then we have, in the College of Nursing, we have the substance use in prenatal substance exposure on children's health, on infant's health. And then we have to have research related to promote a homeless population. And we have research geared towards students' well-being. We have research towards nurses' well-being. And also we are writing research about how to develop student success. So that's some very nice dynamic programs towards patients, nurses, and students, and we try to hate and also patient population in very variety population, diabetes and and a woman woman's health and children's health and mental health. 
So it's really that's the beauty of nursing. I was very fascinated about one phenomenon. Still, so far, I feel like you know, is it's, it's fascinated me is that in the college we all study the same material, you know, pediatric and med surge and geriatrics, and we study all this. But once we graduate, and you can see just all over, you know, so many settings. So that's where we are. So where usually where we are, that's where where our passions are. And then we develop our research program of research in that area. Palliative care is another area, and home health. It's definitely dynamic, and I'm very excited to see. I, right now, I have met all the tenure track faculty. I'm in the process of meeting all the tenured faculty, and just by listening to their research interest, and then to see what we can do this together, or I can compare with this with this team. On that note, here in academia, you have such a unique role. You're working with the next generation of nurses, nurse researchers, nurse educators. How do you want to inspire or nurture these next nurse researchers? I always see academia, you know, again, every time I talk, it's like we have to start with a purpose. And I always see life without purpose that's tiring life with a purpose that's enlightening like for example if we have anything usually i work hard you know day and night and weekend and it's not like a work work it's that i do something i'm passionate about we all want to set the vision when i talk to my students i always kind of i like the visionary term i wrote the book i set vision I said, you know, I look at you, we talk about this, and I, I really see you being at this place. I see you at this place, and where, how about you? And then when I talk to students or talk to whoever wants to pursue nursing or pursue higher degree, for example, graduate school, doctorate, or master, and then when, when I encounter those students, I talk to them. And I kind of build vision together. Even faculty, we build a vision. We build somewhere we want to go together. And then get them excited, get them motivated. Not only motivated, get inspired. Motivation to say, okay, I'm motivated. But inspired, I motivated you. But inspired to see from inside out. I want to get them inspired for the big picture. So then they can set their purpose and to create a purpose, create meaning for their journey. The journey will not be easy, but if you create a meaning of your journey, that's where you want to go, then you can work actually tirelessly. You don't feel burned out. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for what you do to ignite that passion and that purpose in our students. I can feel and sense your passion for what you do. And thank you so much for joining us today on Primary Sources, Dr. Wei. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Primary Sources. Our theme music was created by students of Martin Walters, a member of ETSU's Department of Music. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with friends and colleagues. Mm-hmm.